Welcome to Timothy Eden Memorial Church, a place for life. Connect, participate, celebrate. Oh, gracious and loving God, it is so great to be here on this wonderful Easter morning. We're so thankful to gather together. We're thankful for this wonderful music and this opportunity to praise you together. May your Holy Spirit move among us and inspire us with new life. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Amen. Do you believe? Do you believe it? Can you believe it? What do you believe? I believe. Many of you know the words of the Apostles' Creed. Not everyone, of course, but many of you know the words of the Apostles' Creed, and maybe you learned it in your youth. Maybe you learned it here uh, a few years ago or many years ago as part of our confirmation program. Maybe some of you even remember the words of the Apostles' Creed by heart. It starts with the words, I believe. And the word creed comes from the Latin credo, which simply means, I believe. It is a bold statement of faith. The Apostles' Creed, the roots of which date back centuries, possibly as far back as the mid-2nd century, is one of the most universally proclaimed of the formal Christian creeds, shared by almost all Christian denominations. And when we say this creed, there's a sense that it binds us together with all Christians, all Christians of all times across the centuries, and all Christians living today throughout the world. Do you remember the words? I believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. The central and most fleshed out part of the Apostles' Creed, you may notice, focuses on the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It is the center of the Christian faith. Sure, there are many important 
aspects of, of our faith, love, right? Service, the incarnation, Jesus' birth in human flesh, prayer and scripture and our connection and relationship with God, forgiveness. And one could make a noble case for any of these being the heart of the Christian faith. But I don't think we can truly have an understanding of any of those things on their own, if not through the lens of the death and resurrection of Jesus. When I was in my first year of seminary many years ago, not as many as Orville maybe, but, <laughs> but it was still quite a few years ago when I was in my first year of seminary, a, a teaching assistant asked our class this question. It was a bizarre question. They, they, she asked if it was proved, if somehow we had scientific or indisputable proof that Jesus was not raised from the dead, would it affect your faith? It was a good question. I thought, and at the time, in first year of seminary, I, I didn't know how to answer it. I've come to understand, though, that what we believe about Jesus' death and resurrection does make all the difference in our faith. And that's what the Apostle Paul thought, too. As we read in 1 Corinthians it was difficult for, it was, it was a difficult idea for the early Christians living back even in the mid-first century to get their heads around this idea. And it's no less mind-boggling for us today because frankly, we've never seen someone be raised from the dead after they've lain in the tomb for three days. Maybe some of you like me have prayed, have wished, have longed that one of your loved ones could come back to you. It's a deep, deep longing that I'm sure is common to many of us. Sadly, they never do. The foundational affirmation of the Christian faith, though, is that as hard as it is to believe, and as impossible as it is to understand, Jesus died and was buried. And on the third day, God the Father raised him back up from the dead. Do you believe? There's a story of a young man named Robert who was dying to play on his school's football team. And so he wanted this so bad and he would attend every single game. And he idolized the players on the team and he would watch them and study their different styles. He tried to understand the different skills that were needed and he visualized himself in the uniform running out onto the field, playing along with the others on the team. He worked hard to get fit, to get in shape, to build up his stamina. 
And he signed up and played on a junior team so that he could practice and develop his skills. He did everything that he could to prepare himself to be on that team. One day, a friend came running up to him, Robert, Robert, you made it. You did it. You're on the team. I saw the notice board. Way to go. Robert was on his way to class at the time, and and, and so he couldn't go and check the notice board himself. So he spent the next hour as he was in class, his head buzzing with excitement. It had happened. It had really happened. This was going to change everything. It was going to change his life. As he came out of his class, he whispered to another friend, I made it. I made the team. Sam saw it on the notice board. His friend gave him a a bemused look. Ha! Impossible. They never put up the team list this early in the week. They never do that. Sam must have been pulling your leg. They just wouldn't do that. It just doesn't happen that way. Robert was bewildered. Why would Sam say it if he hadn't actually seen it? Maybe, he thought, maybe something different happened this time. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, a part of which Orville read for us this morning, because the Corinthian Christians were being ridiculed. They were being mocked for believing in the resurrection of Jesus. They had heard the news from eyewitnesses, and they they believed it. They believed it. But there were others who didn't. There were others who didn't believe it, and they mocked the Christians even for their belief. Resurrection? After three days? Things just don't happen that way. We're still hearing the same thing today, aren't we? Resurrection doesn't happen. It can't happen, and it didn't happen, and it won't happen. It's an analogy. It's wishful thinking. It can actually feel awkward for us now in our scientific age and this time post-enlightenment era to say, well, I don't know how it happened. I just believe that God is able to do what God will do and that God did something different with Jesus. There are even Christian groups who in in an attempt to avoid that, that awkwardness of the resurrection will try to work around it. They'll find ways around a teaching that when the early apostles said that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, what they really meant is God's cause continues. Or maybe some of the apostles meant, well, I still regard Jesus as my teacher and leader. Except that 11 out of the 12 apostles were killed for their belief in the resurrection of of Jesus. They were killed for their belief that Jesus is Lord. And I don't know about you, but I would not be willing to die for an analogy. 
They saw it. They believed it. And those who heard the news believed it too. Those other ideas work fine if Jesus was simply one guru among many that you could choose to uh, learn from or, or not, or if Christianity was simply an admirable set of ethical rules to live by. But the gospel, which Paul and all the other apostles announced, was not that Jesus' cause would continue even though he was dead. It was that Jesus was and still is the Messiah, the anointed one of God, and hence the world's true Lord and King. He wouldn't be the Messiah according to anyone's definition of the term if he was dead. So he must be alive. And what this meant is that there is now a king who is superior to David, a king who is over and above Caesar, a king at whose name every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth would bow. As far as Paul is concerned, the evidence, the proof that Jesus is God's Messiah is that God raised him from the dead. We can know that Jesus is the king of kings because God vindicated him. They tried to kill God's chosen one, but God is stronger than death. If we don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, then he was nothing more than a good guy who got a bad rap. If God did raise him, well, that changes everything. First of all, it changes how we live our lives, who we are, how we see ourselves, how we see the world around us. How do we live in the here and now? How does it affect your day-to-day -day life to know that Jesus died and was raised again so that physical death will not be the end of your life. Well, I can tell you, if you're kind of meh about the idea, then it might not make any difference as to how you live your life. But if you think it's absolutely amazing and you love Jesus for doing that, then it, then it might cause you to take a look at things a bit more different, a little bit differently, a bit more closely, it might cause you to look at your life a bit more closely. That's how it affected William Wilberforce, a name that probably most of you know, many of you anyway, would know. He was, William Wilberforce was one of the most beautiful examples of how faith can change a person and change a life and change the world because of it. Wilberforce was born in 1759 in Hull, England. And he was born the son, the privileged son of a wealthy merchant, and that's how he lived. As a youth, he, he lived an extravagant life, a wayward life, and he often used his privilege and his father's wealth for 
personal gain and for personal advantage, often at the detriment of others. At the age of 25, however, Wilberforce met a group of Christians who led him to a deeper faith, a deeper belief in Christ. And this caused him to reevaluate his lifestyle. He went from living a self-centered life to leading a God-centered life. He was so transformed by his newfound faith in Jesus that he completely changed his way of, ways of life and became a leading proponent of social reform in Great Britain and one who impacted and affected the course of history throughout the world. Wilberforce's faith eventually led him to the doors of Thomas Clarkson, who was a leading abolitionist in Britain. Clarkson and others were campaigning for an end to the horrific British slave trade that ferried Africans out of their home, away from their families, out of their homeland, and off to what they called the New World. By this time, Wilberforce held a position in Parliament so he had the ability to do something about this intolerable institution. Despite strong opposition on many sides from many different lobby groups, he introduced legislation to abolish the slave trade. And when it was defeated, he reintroduced it again and again and again for 18 years in succession. Over time, more and more people began to see his point and agree with him until finally, finally, the Slave Trade Act was passed in British Parliament, which would eventually lead to the complete uh, abolition of slavery throughout the British Empire. Wilberforce also made other important contributions to social reform, too, throughout his career and through his life. He supported missionary work in India. He led campaigns for better education for children. He devoted his life to serving the well-being of those in need. He died in July of 1833 at the age of 74, literally just a few days after slavery was finally and completely abolished in the British Empire. Believing in the power of the resurrected Jesus, William Wilberforce was given a second chance. Fortunately for the world, fortunately for us, he made the best of the opportunity that God had given to him. Jesus' death and resurrection means that in our lives too. We have second chances, and third, and fourth, and fifth, and so on. As many chances as we need to look at our lives and, and to to turn ourselves to God and live lives with purpose and meaning. And not only does it change everything in this life, 
It changes how we live our lives in the face of death, how we live our lives in the face of our mortality, how we live our lives in the face of the death of those we love. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we have hope and we have peace, not only for this life, but also for the life to come. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we have reason to hope and to believe that death will not be the end of us. In Christ, we have spiritual life for eternity, even in the face of physical death. We are forgiven, renewed, and drawn into full communion with God. And on that day when each of us will be absent from the body, we will be present with the Lord. The resurrection of Jesus assures us that on the day when all worldly kingdoms come to an end, Christ has said that he will return and all those who have died in Christ will be raised to new life and all creation all creation will be renewed and restored to its intended state of perfection. Just as God spoke words in the beginning and brought life into being, at the sound of God's voice, the dead will rise again. As I said before, the idea is mind-boggling. It's hard to understand. I don't understand it. But Jesus said it would happen. And we have every reason to trust him. We have every reason to believe the apostles who saw him with their own eyes. It seems incredible. But then look at the world around you. Look at the people around you. God is capable of some pretty incredible things that none of us can explain. This is the God who is able to, to bring all of creation into being from nothing. Millions of years before a single living cell was on the earth, that same God is surely able to raise Jesus from the dead if he so chooses, and he can certainly raise us too. And he has promised to do so. If Christ is raised from the dead, so are we. If Christ is not raised, neither are we. If Christ has not been raised, Paul says our faith is futile and we are most to be pitied. That is the nature of faith. It always requires taking a step towards things about which we know nothing. When we believe, though, no explanation is necessary. When we do not want to believe, no explanation is satisfactory. Christian church has waged a lot on this belief. And trusting in this gives us power to live lives of meaning, purpose, and courage 
in the face of all life's challenges. Amen. Hallelujah.